They always want to see us down, never come around. But you gon' witness greatness when I come and snatch your crown. See, I ain't never been the type of way to mess around. Cause I'm all about my business and I move without a sound. Queens working silence, trying to stop the violence. Cause I'm killing my goals, here's my story, you're invited. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Pink Lemonade, an original podcast by the Skinny Black Girls Code. My name is Whitney B, and I am your host. And today we're going to talk about how to shed labels and create your personal identity. Keep it locked. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Pink Lemonade. Today is January 21st, 2018, and I've been doing a lot of thinking about how I introduce myself lately. So I was recently on a podcast called The Dr. Will Show, and it always trips me up when people ask me to tell me or tell them about myself. So I think it can sometimes be an intimidating question for a couple of reasons. A, because you never just want to appear like you're tooting your own horn. And B, it's really confusing or sometimes difficult to come up with the right words. So when someone asks you that question, how do you normally respond? A lot of times we define ourselves by our job titles, our relationships, or our beliefs. So you'll say something like, oh, my name is Whitney Barkley and I'm the social media manager of this company. Or I'm Whitney and I'm Jerome's wife. Or I'm Whitney and I'm Christian-ish, peep the ish, woman. (laughs) We define ourselves by the labels that are both self-inflicted and generated by people around us. At some point in your life, you likely picked up a label that has followed you throughout your life, whether you like it or not. So for me, it was always being the smart girl. I was that girl that people wanted to sit next to and try to cheat off of because they knew that I was going to get an A on my paper. I was one of those uh, people who were selected for the special programs and awards because time after time again, I excelled in my academics. Now, while most people would love being the smart one, I mean, it definitely had its benefits and downfalls. It became a downfall for me when I was about 17. Uh, I had just entered my second semester of college at Ohio Dominican University here in Columbus, Ohio, through an initiative called the Seniors to Sophomores Program. Uh, The Seniors to Sophomores Program, just to give you a brief overview, basically took high school seniors and allowed them to skip their senior year so that way they can go to college and get a full year under their belt. So when they graduated, they had one year of school already paid for. So I boldly decided to take an economics course as an elective. And man, I thought I was going to lose my mind. The professor basically could have been speaking a foreign language because he started talking about stuff like ceteris pederis and started breaking down things between macro and microeconomics, I just, I felt like a fool. I mean, I had been considered smart for my entire life by other people. And for the first time ever, I felt stupid. The class took away every positive affirmation that people had told me or things that I had ever felt about myself. So I started to have anxiety when I went to class because I just didn't know what was going on. We had pop quizzes. I failed pop quizzes. And it took me so much extra time to do my homework, unlike the other classes where I pretty much breezed through most of the work. Now, when midterms rolled around, I just took my test and, you know, I just decided to take the L. And so I emailed my professor and I told him that I couldn't be in a class anymore. He wrote me back and told me that I should try to stick it out. And he was really confused because in reality, I had only had a B minus and I was one of the few students who were actually passing the class. Now, while a B minus would have been fine for most people, it terrified me. Anything less than an A made me feel less than. And I was hoping to bury that experience and move on without anyone finding out that I wasn't as smart as they thought that I was. Now, what I essentially learned from that experience is the power of labels, especially one like being smart. 
you know, it's a positive label. And for me, I had been hyped up my entire life. And when I faced adversity, I, I didn't know how to handle it. So think about children, right? Think about children who are considered special learners or those who are quote unquote gifted and talented. Every day, a child is defined by his or her academic abilities. And those labels can have a profound effect on how those children feel about themselves. So if you're in a special needs class in school, does that make you less gifted and talented? Or if you're in a regular class at school, does that mean that you don't have gifts and talents? You know, as you start to look at the landscape of labels, you start to realize the combination of labels and assumptions, they birth limitations. Because you see, when we're labeled, one or two things tend to happen. Either we accept the things that have been projected onto us, or we spend a lifetime trying to disprove what people think about us. I've been down both of these roads, and, and the destination that I ultimately reached was independent of what I thought that I initially needed to do. I learned specifically that if I wanted to be a person that I knew that I was capable of being, I had to shed anything that society, my family, friends, strangers had projected on me. And I remember the very first time that I had this realization. I was a junior in college at Wilberforce University. And at the time, I was granted the honor of presenting a White House official. They were called the Woodrow Wilson Visiting Fellows for a school-wide convocation. After the convocation, I went to lunch with other students. There was like a few of us that were selected, our guests, and uh, some members of the administration. So I'm sitting down, I'm sitting next to the man, and I'm trying to figure out what fork to use for my salad. We had taken an etiquette class a couple years before, but I had never really been in a formal situation. So, you know, I was trying to look like I knew what I was doing. So in the midst of me trying to figure out this fork, the guest asked me what I wanted to do with my life after graduation. So I told him that I was interested to going to Teach for America. And so if you are not familiar, Teach for America takes college grads and professionals with no teaching background, and they essentially give them a uh, crash course training in teaching. And then the teachers go out and they're paid to teach in schools for two years and wait. Let me tell you the kind of schools. Here's another label. They're paid and uh, they're sent to teach in struggling or at risk inner city or rural schools. So when I told him that I wanted to go to Teach for America, he heard my response. And I remember him slowly taking a sip of water. And when he was done, he told me, you know, there aren't many people who look like you in that program. I hope you don't become disappointed when you aren't accepted. And so when he said that, I could feel my blood. You know, sometimes you can feel like, like, I don't know, like your veins are about to pop out. Like I could feel my veins because I was so upset and I, I no longer had an appetite. Screw the salad. And I just wanted to tell him that there wasn't a ton of people who looked like him in Washington, but he was still there. And mind you, this this was an African-American man. So I sat through the meal and I was just determined. Right. I mean, my foot was tapping. I was ready to go. And by the time I was ready to go, I think I went to my room and I started to look at the TFA application. And, you know, for the fact that I was never going to see this man again, his words like it bothered me. It haunted me because, you know, I'm I'm a young African-American female. I decided to go to an HBCU. I didn't go to an Ivy League or a Big Ten, a Big Ten school. And he assumed that my background and the labels attached to my name would not grant me a spot in the program. So because of that, I decided to apply anyway. And despite being one of two African-American women in the final interview process, I, I did it. I, I went through it anyway, and I got in. And that was the most amazing feeling of my life. Because while my motivation started for uh, basically proving 
oh, do wrong. It ended with self-actualization of knowing that what I look like and where I went to school did not dictate my ability to impress my interviewers. Now, granted, there are some things in life where people would judge you based off of the labels that you have, but you can't allow that to stop you from pressing forward into reality that's waiting for you to find it. Now, I didn't go to the program, <laughs> believe it or not. So I did get into Teach for America. They wanted me to teach like middle school math or something. And I was just like, uh, no. And I also had an opportunity to go into television. But, you know, because I had that confidence of applying to that program and getting in, I'm like, man, I'm going to TV, you know, and I'm going to kill it. So, you know, I say all that to help you understand that in order to take ownership of your life and to create an identity, you have to stop caving into the labels that people project on you or give you. I don't care if someone calls you stupid your entire life. It does not define who you are. We have to realize that our circumstances, our past, hell, even our present are not the one all in all to how we define ourselves. So if you are ready to stop allowing labels to define you, here are a few things that I think that you can consider in your journey. The first one being realizing the power of your words. So the Bible says that there's life and death and the power of the tongue. And you have to understand the power of your words because understanding the power of your words is so critical for self-definition. You have to realize that you and you alone are fully responsible for what you speak into your life. One of the things that I did early on was just an assessment or an inventory of the words that brought me down. So things like can't, hopefully, try, think, never, they were all words that derailed my self-confidence and, you know, and allowed me to be stuck in a particular position. Sometimes I would engage in negative self-talk like, oh, I'm not good enough. Or in the case of my economics class, I'm not smart enough or I'll never be able to do this. Ne negative self-talk is essentially the cousin of labels because it perpetuates everything people or you have thought about you. So you have to pay close attention to your words. And understand that what is hindering you and ultimately understand that you need to replace them with affirmations that empower you. So speaking of power, one thing that you should also do is stop giving other people your power. So one thing that I've realized is that people often place labels on us because they're not comfortable with themselves. You know, maybe they wanted to strive for something one day and someone told them that they can't do it. And then they tell you that you can't do it. I, I realize that sometimes this happens a lot with parents. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of parents limit the dreams of their children because they are looking at their children's lives through their own lens and you can't do that. And so it's, it's easy to place people in a box because it's comforting. Because when you believe certain ideas about yourself, you won't reach beyond your comfort zone and experience what you are capable of doing. So I once volunteered for a women's organization and uh, the owner of the organization told me to stop making graphics because she she believed that I wasn't good at it. She told me to stick with social media and I did miserably. Now, while I like social media, it wasn't my passion um, and it definitely wasn't my favorite thing to do all the time. Um, I think I like the idea of social media. I love learning about the psychology behind it, how it makes people feel. And I even like creating some of the content sometimes, but that's not who I am. So for several years, those words stuck with me that I couldn't do graphic design. But uh, in 2016, or sorry, was it 2016? Man, time is flying. In 2017, actually, I worked with a business coach and I learned that graphic design was my strength. And, you know, <laughs> I talk about how I foolishly lost out on two years 
essentially of profit by allowing someone to put me in a box and tell me what they thought my strength was. I had given that woman power over how I felt about myself. And it's so important to note that once you stop giving other people permission to tell you who you are, you start to listen to who you know who you are. So drown out those opinions of other people and begin to visualize the person that you want to be. Because once you see it, you have to live it. Because self-definition starts with action. And ultimately, you have to understand that you are the writer of your narrative, regardless of anyone else, regardless of what anyone else has to say about you. So again, um, tip number two, just make sure that you stop giving other people your power. And then the third and final decision, you want to make a decision about how you want to measure your life. I once heard a woman who was a party promoter say that her reputation was only as good as her last party. She earned six figures promoting college parties and was one of the only few women in her region to do it and to do it well, I must say. Now, a lot of times we're constantly measuring the value that we bring by the labels that we acquire through our merits or through association. Uh, I personally... I don't want to be defined by my job title, my beliefs, or my relationships because all these things are subjected to change, right? So time and time again, I'll give you an example. Time and time again, we've seen musical artists or actors on top of the world that all of a sudden they flop or we don't hear from them. So despite all of that success that they attain, the only thing that we measure is their failures. I don't want to be classified by the wins that society say are wins because they all can be taken away. Now, you all probably know this quote, um by the late Martin Luther King Jr. And he said that I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And while this quote may, for some of you may seem like a great content piece on Instagram for Martin Luther King Day, the value, the everything that he said runs so deep. In order to truly define yourself void of labels, you have to focus on developing the content of your character. So when people ask you, who are you? You are defined by how you consciously choose to live and how you make an impact to other people. None of us are perfect and without labels, unfortunately. However, we can choose to not let them define us and be whoever we decide to be. Self-definition starts with choice. Now, while some people may not understand or accept who you are, that's all a part of the process. You have to focus on being the champion of your life because the moment you break away from who others say you are is the moment that you truly begin to define yourself. Now, before we go, I want to leave you with this quote by W.C. Fields. It ain't what they call you. It's what you answer to. So how will you respond? Thank you for listening to another episode of Pink Lemonade. Once again, I am Whitney V and I am your host. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it on social media and drop us a line at SBG Code on Instagram and Twitter. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Until next time, peace.